0: Welcome to PodShip Earth. This is your host, Jared Blumenfeld. Down to Florida. We welcome you to the Sunshine State. They're kicking back and soaking up the rays. Every day in Florida.
1: A bold statement from two environmental activists appeared at the state capitol this morning. We're talking about 3,000 pounds of plastic waste, which was collected along Florida's coastlines, it was left for a full day on the steps of the historic state capitol. The activists who brought it there hope that it will
0: encourage lawmakers to act. This week, I talk with Heather Bolland and Brian Galvin about their epic beach walk around the entire state of Florida, which they recently completed. For me, the story began in April 2018, when I received an email from Heather. It read, Hello, Jared. I'd greatly appreciate any advice or thoughts you might have on an enormous beach cleanup idea. The following week, Heather and I connected on the phone to map out how to turn her bold plan into reality. As far as I knew, no one had ever walked around the entire state, so I really wanted to encourage Heather, but at the same time counseled that this adventure was going to be nearly impossible to complete. Little did I know then how strong Heather's resolve would be. I catch up with Heather and Brian Galvin, who teamed up on this epic 1,200-mile walk to bring attention to beach plastic in Florida and beyond. I start by asking Heather to recount how the idea for the hike began.
2: Back in 2018, I was doing a road trip and I was listening to the Ritual podcast, an episode in which you were being interviewed on it and you were speaking about environmental activism and how there should be a need for more kind of grassroots environmental activism and people taking risks and putting themselves out there. I had recently finished the Appalachian Trail and I was thinking about what I wanted to do next. And I had recently visited my mom near West Palm Beach where she and I, had walked the beach picking up plastic and a lot of it was plastic straws and it was around that time when that video came out about the sea turtle with the plastic straw stuck in its nose and I was thinking about how many sea turtles there are that nest on Florida beaches so I thought about the idea of hiking the perimeter of Florida while picking up plastic off the beach in order to bring awareness to the plastic pollution problem and try to pass legislation within the state of Florida to ban certain single-use plastics statewide.
0: And you and I talked first time, it sounded like pretty complex. I mean, Florida's got a lot of beaches, but it's also got a lot of swamps and alligators, and you were kind of nervous. You didn't even know, like, should I even do it? Like, how's it going to work? So how did you kind of start preparing and, and meet Brian?
2: Yeah, it was definitely a huge logistical challenge Uh, i wasn't quite sure how i was going to pull it off
0: how long is the coastline
2: it's about 1200 miles okay yeah
0: i mean the thing about the trails that that you and i did whether it's the pacific crest trail or the appalachian trail is that they're, they're trails so yeah there's hardships it's difficult but when you and i talked it sounded like no one or very few people had even ever done it before let alone try to pick up plastic on the way.
2: Exactly. So I was thinking it was going to be a pretty novel experience and something that I didn't really have anyone else's experience to draw upon. However, I remember you had asked me if I had found anyone else who had done it before. So I did some research. I just typed in, you know, hiking around the perimeter of Florida And that's how I ended up meeting Brian, because I found his organization. He had created uh, an organization called Plastic Symptoms, because in 2017, he had hiked the east coast of Florida while picking up plastic off the beaches. So I was kind of blown away that somebody else had pretty much the same idea and had already done it (laughs) uh, recently. And so i reached out to him i sent him an email and that's kind of how we got started and we kind of put our powers together and combined efforts and made it happen
0: so brian you get this call out of the blue from heather like you'd already done the east coast were you like just oh my god i just can't believe anyone's crazy enough to think of doing this again
1: I was super excited and stoked. My original idea was to walk the whole coast, and then it just seemed really hard to do. So when, when Heather reached out, I was pretty impressed and stoked that I was able to kind of like push something through the universe and then get somebody to push something back at me. Um, so that, that was a cool feeling. How long did it take between Heather calling you and you guys setting off on your adventure? For her to be actually right down the road from where I was in Delray Beach, she was in Lake Worth visiting her mom at the time. So it was only like 10, 15 minutes. So we met up at the the vegan cafe in Delray Beach. And so right then and there, we both decided we were gonna do it. And from, from that point, I think it was, what, six months or eight months later that we actually set foot on beach. Was it just like super exciting? Like
0: you'd had this vision and this dream, you meet this guy in a vegan restaurant in Florida and it's like, this is happening.
2: Yeah, I couldn't really believe it. We had never met each other. So this was definitely a a huge (laughs) leap of faith, you might say, to embark on such a a challenging endeavor with, with somebody you had never met before. But we felt like we had similar interests and a similar passion. And we both had the drive and endurance to do it. So we, we decided pretty quickly that we were gonna get going on it. And we met the, the day before I was starting a new job in Georgia. So we were kind of long distance uh, for those six to eight months. We would have Skype calls once a week. And during that time, we were emailing sponsors and media outlets. We started a GoFundMe page as well, uh, because basically we were just using our own savings as well as any donations we had coming in.
0: And Brian, what what were the big lessons like from your first trip to the second trip?
1: People are always going to have their own idea of, what you're accomplishing or what you're trying to accomplish i personally understood the coastline differently and i saw the coastline in a panoramic point of view and no longer a little square box like on instagram or something but other people didn't see that so one thing they could see was all the plastic and everything that we had accumulated so figuring out where to drop things how we were gonna get people logistically to help us get the plastic from one point to the other. Um, those types of challenges, I just remember getting so frustrated with my sandals and my shoes and stuff that I went barefoot and I, I went barefoot again for, for most of it. Understanding that there's a lot of the coastline that it, it gets eroded. There's a lot of erosion, there's, there's a lot of sea walls um, in certain areas that the water comes up all the way up like. Three, four feet high uh, to your stomach or chest when, when the tide's right. I mean, getting around those and navigating those areas is um, definitely more prepared this time for when we come up to this area. I hope the tide is going to be on our side or not. Whereas before, I kind of was just like, okay, I'm going to just walk the coast and whatever the tide's at at that time, that's where I'll be at. How many miles are going to be able to get in in a day and and I knew that setting a high goal in the beginning would just would just like fuel the fire to keep moving forward. And 20 miles a day is pretty unrealistic in the sand, but especially picking up plastic. You know, what, when do you stop picking up plastic and when do you uh, just keep walking and turn your blinders on? Um, at, at certain points in, in the trek, there was so much plastic on the shoreline that I would have to remind myself to stop picking up plastic because right now i'm just wasting time and energy picking up and filling up my burlap when i should be snapping pictures conserving energy till the end of the day's walk and then wherever i end up i probably have enough to fill the truck
0: i mean that's depressing right the the fact that yeah
1: well you'd have enough to fill the truck literally wherever you stopped right there's certain beaches where we could have spent all day and we could have pulled as much as we had in the grand finale pile off the beach. Wow. Like, the amount of plastic that we actually pulled at the state capitol is a fraction of what we witnessed. And it's really hard to portray that to people. It just kind of became a joke amongst us. Like, like this isn't even putting a dent in what we're seeing out here, but it's still going to create an impact for certain people that need to see it. And that's that's why we kept doing it. Where did you start, actually?
2: So we started the hike at Fernandina Beach, which is the border between Georgia and Florida. We wanted to start there for reasons of um, like the weather and sort of like the easier part done first because the east coast of Florida has uh, a lot more beach than the Gulf side does. On the Gulf side, uh, there's a lot a lot more mangroves and kind of swampier areas.
0: How do you decide, Brian is just describing kind of, you couldn't do 20 miles a day, but how did you decide how to divide it up and how many miles you should be doing each day? And how did the days kind of unfold?
2: Because Brian had already done the East Coast of Florida, he already had a pretty good idea of how long that section was going to take us. When he did it, he covered about 400 miles in 22 days. Um, so, but that was without any days of rest and kind of just doing the whole thing pretty quickly. It was about almost 20 miles a day. We were trying to factor in some days off because especially from doing the Appalachian trail through hike, I knew that having days off was really important, um, to let your body recover and rest. And then the Gulf coast, I literally was on Google maps using the measuring tool to measure out how many miles the coastline was and then trying to figure out, okay, if we can do, you know, 10 to 15 or 15 to 20 miles, um, you know, where we're going to end up and how long that's going to take us. But ultimately, it came to exactly four months uh, by the time we were finished.
0: That's amazing. And what did it feel like? I mean, you're walking in sand, people take walks on the beach, but they don't generally keep going and they're not picking up plastic and like is it a peaceful experience because <laughs> you've you've always got the water i guess to your left as you're going south and then well still to your still left here. as you're going <laughs> north so the water's always on one side of you and you've got the sun i mean it's isn't sounds really intense
2: yeah well for me personally uh it was definitely intense at the beginning because unlike brian i hadn't had a lot of recent time spent on the beach. Um, uh, so my feet took a little bit more getting used to it. I ended up getting tendonitis in my left foot. It, it was just so painful to walk any more than one or two miles. I had to wear shoes and get that arch support. And that really helped a lot. I didn't have problems after that. Um, but we both still had other issues. We both ended up breaking one of our little toes and then having to push forward. So it it definitely wasn't a walk on the beach (laughs) most of the time, (laughs) as people might think. The days were very hot and very long. And, you know, we tried to take cover from the sun as much as we could on our breaks.
0: Did you carry an umbrella?
2: No, we didn't. I was thinking about that, though, because I know that on the Pacific Crest Trail, that that's something that... A lot of hikers do is carry a, a sun umbrella,
0: yeah, my sun umbrella like saved me literally it was my favorite piece of equipment on the trail I was I was just like thinking you guys would both have silver umbrellas, but so you were you were in the like midday
1: sun, it's just baking, yes, but we also had our like a uh, straw hat on and um and and how would we hold an umbrella? I mean that would be awesome if we could have. Pinned it to our backpack or something i wanted to add walking the entire shore like yeah we had the ocean to our left side mo- the majority of the time so we definitely felt it on our hips and on our knees you know we had one knee higher than the other most of the time um and and, and some of the beaches you literally felt like you're walking sideways so how much plastic did you pick up each day and like what did
0: you do with the plastic
1: The amount of plastic really varied from beach to beach, uh, especially like the preserves, uh, the reservation areas definitely had more plastic. Normally local communities do a fair fair amount of picking up the plastic. Unfortunately, it's probably replaced by new plastic pretty quickly. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, fresh plastic would wash up all the time. If you go back to those beaches, they were probably dirty the next day.
0: In the 70s, it was all about beach cleanups and let's pick up the trash and that's going to solve the problem. and as you guys saw it yeah it just keeps coming but what you guys did is amazing bringing that attention what was the majority of what you were picking up each day
1: both of you dominican republic vinegar containers uh haitian water bags balloons uh plastic utensils straws lolly sticks caps bottle caps what became your pet
0: peeve if you saw this thing on the beach? Is there like something you're just like, Jesus, I can't believe.
2: Yeah, I would say definitely bottle caps and those plastic lollipop sticks. They were everywhere on certain beaches. It, and, they were, and they're so small that it's it's a pain to try to pick them up. We had grabbers uh, to try to save our back from bending over all the time. But even with grabbers, they're you know, difficult and annoying to try to pick up. And there was one section of the beach up in the Melbourne area where we picked up over 600 caps in that one stretch.
1: One pet peeve that came to my head was those plastic flossers. We found so much of those one-time use plastic toothpick flossers that they have and plastic straws it was one gentleman that said that straw thing is a myth to me so every every, every straw that I found I was like straw thing's a myth yelling down the beach straw thing's a myth it's
0: like one after the other so talking of which when you're shouting down the beach you know here's another straw or whatever you're shouting like I kind of went a little bit crazy when I was doing the PCT did you guys I mean How did you keep sane or did you not keep sane?
2: (laughs) That's a good question. Um, It was difficult, especially on the stretches of beach where we hardly saw anyone because then you're just out there with your own thoughts and you're picking up endless amounts of plastic, uh, especially the beaches, like Brian said, where there weren't very many people. A lot of the preserves had the most plastic out of the other beaches. So it was easy to get really depressed and feel overwhelmed during those times. We met a lot of people who were really supportive of what we were doing and they were thanking us and they would want to stop and talk to us and share their stories. So meeting these other people who were really inspired by us and uh, people who were doing their part to help the planet The saving grace of it all was meeting these folks who believed in what we were doing and believed in the cause. We had other people who let us sleep on their couches or in their spare bedrooms and who gave us meals and showers. And just the kindness of complete strangers was very humbling and really just made a huge impact on us during this hike as far as staying sane and, and kind of... You know realizing that we had support out there was very important
0: it seems like there'd be a lot of wildlife like alligators and turtles
1: and manatees and dolphins the photo birds are amazing we saw some deer, some alligators crocodiles there was all sorts of uh different animals and creatures amazing things out there um just the relationship the Heather and I had, not only the strangers around us, but, I mean, her and I were kind of strangers. I feel like one of the most dangerous things on our trek wasn't even those dangerous animals out there. It was our own minds, um, our own minds playing tricks on us, whether what we were doing was the right time or, or the right thing, or sometimes we... We get overwhelmed with the work we had at hand and, you know, w- whether or not we felt like we were actually making an impact because w- we were surrendering ourselves for this cause for um, four months and it's not an easy thing to do. It's, it's quite scary. So when you're walking down the
0: beach, were you so kind of pre-programmed to recognize the patterns of plastic that you got distracted and didn't see the beauty or the wildlife or were you able to kind of do both?
2: There were times where it was definitely difficult to step back and appreciate the surroundings. I I had to remind myself usually at least a few times every day that I was lucky to be where I was, you know, with the ocean right next to you and the birds and, you know, the beautiful sunsets. Uh, it, was, it was definitely easier to appreciate them when we were in nature preserves or the Everglades or the 10,000 islands where it is just remarkable beauty and you're just overwhelmed with the pristine beauty that is Florida before human civilization developed the the shoreline. But there are definitely um, times where it's difficult to enjoy it because we were so focused on, on just looking down and looking at the not so beautiful parts of our Society and what we've been doing to the world around us.
0: How much of your walk was areas that were developed versus refuges or national parks or, like, what? what's the split?
1: I would say probably a good third was pr- protected preserves or, like, untouched. I mean, which is kind of sad. What would you say, mm-hmm. Heather, about a third?
2: The east coast of Florida was pretty mostly pretty developed but then once you got to the southern part and the um the west coast of the state it, there seemed to be more preserves
0: how much was impossible where you needed a canoe
1: was it just the southern portion by the everglades or like how did that play out 140 miles was so the 100 mile wilderness waterway and then another 40 miles um when we got to yeah uh, the gulf Marco Island and then add in all the intercoastal ways that we crossed. So it was over 140 miles, but it was mostly just the southern tip there and also the the armpit uh, near Swanee River and up in that
0: area. The goal was to get media attention and, and folks from the communities kind of to build their awareness.
2: So thankfully, we were able to do a pretty good job at getting media attention. We reached out to a lot of stations. Along the way. And then also, there were people we met along the beach who had connections with the various news outlets. So we were able to get media pretty much around the entire state. And then, when we did um, the final part of the trek where we dumped 3,000 pounds of plastic on the Florida state capitol steps, we got a decent amount of coverage, so we were grateful for that. People all around the state, friends and family, were letting us know that they had been seeing us on TV and, you know, seeing us in the local papers. So, I feel like we we got the word out there. And as far as passing legislation, we found that there is a senator in Delray, Senator Rader, who is currently trying to pass a piece of legislation to ban plastic straws and plastic bags statewide in Florida. So we met with him and uh, we collected data on everything that we found on the beaches to help kind of back up any potential pieces of legislation for the state.
0: It was an amazing adventure in and in of its own right, but the advocacy part of getting people to really understand the magnitude of the plastic problem and our throwaway society are you kind of feeling especially in florida that people are kind of getting that how
1: are you viewing the impact that you've had Uh, growing up here my whole life and just surfing the the east coast and chasing hurricanes to the gulf coast and and just witnessing the different breaks the different beaches the different plastic i mean i don't remember finding any of this plastic when i was a kid and and that's something that made me really realize like how bad the problem is i i had worked at one of the shopping centers here for eight and a half years i uh my family i'm one of eight and they the amount of plastic i've watched them go through as i go out there and surf and so it was really personal to me to make that those connections on the plastic and i tried bringing that out to the surface for people to see and had people say to me, Florida people don't care about their environment. And it was really disheartening um, to hear those people say things like that because I just felt like I cared so much and the people that I surrounded myself with really did care as well. People would ask me straight up if I was from California and not from Florida because they assumed that only Californians cared. Sometimes I'd walk by and I'd tell them what I was doing and they would say, yeah. And they would say something about climate change being a farce, but then they were more susceptible to understanding that plastic's an issue because it would, it's right there in front of us. I was able to show it to them. It felt like leverage, you know, chipping paint off a wall that maybe we can use, you know, this issue, this plastic issue to make people see their footprint, their hand in the sand You two
0: are kind of the only only people who have ever circumnavigated the entire coast of of Florida. Did you see signs of sea level rise? Like, how how did that impact your
1: walk? Well, we know that there are pumps under Miami that pump water out every day because Miami's sinking. The eroded seashore is one thing. I mean, we could definitely tell that there were trees and stuff that were just swallowed by the ocean when the sea level rises it's not going to just rise where the beach is first and then if you're inland you're safe i think people in florida forget that a lot of florida is at or under sea level a lot of times like the barrier islands and stuff will be a little higher than inland florida Um, and the barrier islands is what protects florida's mainland which is basically a sandbar. we're going to have a few hard hitting hurricanes and the the oceans will be coming in and, and it's not going to be like a gradual thing, inch by inch, mile by mile, but it's definitely grabbing at our shoreline for
0: sure. Heather, when you got back, did you feel like people understood your journey or like that you'd had this journey that was hard to, to explain to people? Like how did your experience translate into sharing that story?
2: You know, there are a lot of similarities between our trek and a long distance through hike like the Appalachian Trail or the PCT, where when you're done, it's difficult to assimilate yourself back into society. And it's difficult for your friends and family to understand exactly what you went through and what your experience was like. And all you have to really show are photos and, of course, the photos do help, but it still felt a, a little bit alienating knowing that Brian and I had had done this huge, unique, challenging journey and nobody else could relate. You know, like nobody else had ever done it before. There was a, there was a bit of that kind of tra- post-trail depression Overall, we did the best job that we could have done with getting the word out and getting people to see and understand the issue. And I think it's it's only going to keep the ball rolling and keep the pressure going. I mean, and we just hope that Florida will be proactive and will pass legislation for the interest of its people and its environment because... You know, one of the state's biggest assets is the beaches, you know, that people come to Florida to sit on the beach in the sun. And, you know, if it's covered in plastic, that's not good for the state. Economically, it's an issue that should be of a priority for Florida. And then, of course, for just the environmental impact and the wildlife that it affects as well. And we wanted to bring that to light. And I think that we did a a pretty good job
0: of it. I think you did an awesome job. I'm super excited. And and I really relate to many of the things you're saying about, you know, the hike and afterwards being so tough. Um, It is hard to to re-assimilate. And, you know, as much as you're dealing with all these different challenges each and every day, somehow the challenge of re back to normal life and not walking in the sand every day is, is probably one of the harder ones so I super appreciate what you both did and it is full circle i never would have thought you know when we first spoke I was like wow I can't believe Heather's actually gonna do this this sounds amazing um and when you sent me the pictures of you mm-hmm. both in front of the Capitol with all that plastic I was like wow I'm so proud that you guys did it A huge thank you to Heather Bolland and Brian Galvin for their commitment, courage, and vision to be both the first people to walk around the entire state of Florida and for doing it to raise awareness about the impacts of our throwaway society on wildlife and our economy. On a personal level, it was so exciting to follow Heather's story from the inception of the idea through planning all the way to the finish line. Thanks to both Heather and Brian for sharing their story with us today. In the next episode of Podship Earth, we travel to the Farallon Islands, a stunning, wildlife-rich, rocky outcrop on the edge of the continental shelf, 26 miles off the coast of San Francisco to learn about how the changing climate impacts seals and mers alike. Thank you so much for being part of the Podship Earth journey from the entire Podship Earth crew, sound engineer Rob Spade, executive producer David Kahn, and from me, Jerry Blumenfeld. I hope that today's story will encourage you to take a leap of faith as well.